So this morning I'd just like to re- return to a point I might have touched on quite briefly. There's a sense of difference between mental behavior and mental awareness or mental nature. And so mental awareness means chitta. The word chitta just means that receptivity say the the very substance of mental consciousness, the ability to be receptive. Uh, And you can sense that has boundaries uh, to it. We have mental behavior, chitta-sankhara, which is the stuff that moves around. And so, I sometimes use the word programs because some of them are kind of like uh, uh, particular pieces that just keep reoccurring. As you as you contemplate, you see bits of bits of yourself, you know, bits of your conditioned programming occurring. Your kind of self image, or you. Several of them, you know, the good ones and the bad ones. Um, reactive behaviors, tendencies. What happens when we get squeezed? We feel maybe suddenly panic, or we feel irritated, or we feel guilty, or something. You know, these kind of bits that just sort of almost loaded. And as events happen, some of these bits that are very familiar start happening. Chitta Sankara. <coughs> not all bad, incidentally. Just uh, tend to talk about the difficult stuff because, of course, that's what we want to get free from. But there's also positive jitta sankara, which means you get that impulse towards generosity or, you know, it's a kind of something you move towards. Inspiration, dedication, these kinds of things, you know, strengths. So it's by by no means is it all negative, but it is all self-forming. You recognize yourself in that. You know, you you, you come into yourself with that. Your good side comes up and you, you know, which is, you know, people recognize and you you operate through that. Your clarity, your courage, your um, forgiveness, your so forth. These are the good ones and the bad ones, you know, your irritability or depression or anxiety. Yeah. So, so but all of this is karma, good and bad karma. <coughs> and it it's not so much that we create karma, but karma creates us. <laughs> you know, these these repeated programs and codes keep, you know, constructing you in a particular form that becomes recognizable. It's rather like this is this is the language of your behaviour. So, you know, this is this is more or less what you do, and it becomes your limitation. Also, you tend to operate according to these particular programs, for good and for bad, and so the karma creates you. And as your as your energies and your mental behaviour goes down certain tracks or certain repeated you know, patterns and habits, then that gets etched in deeper for good and for bad. And so this is 
how the transmigration occurs, rebirth occurs. It's like, you know, you, you kind of etch a particular pattern in so that as the body falls away, then the pattern kind of regenerates another, you know, an ongoing process. So that's the inheritance like that. So in the simple overview of the Buddha's teaching is to is to generate, at least to stop generating bad karma, <laughs> you know, whereby when we where some of these difficult things arise, we at least don't act upon it. We kind of recognize that and defuse it, let go of it, or deliberately check it, restrain it. We generate good karma, you know, which will, so, so it strengthens and uplifts you. And you also practice the karma that leads to the end of karma. That is the particular qualities of meditation that begin to unpick these patterns, kind of unravel it. So you're no longer being programmed for good or for bad. as a sense of liberation from karma. And that means, the Buddha said, this is karma. In other words, you have to do particular actions. And the actions, we may say, are quite refined actions. You wouldn't normally call them actions. But they are mental actions, they're mental inclinations like patience or investigation or establishing mindfulness or, you know, practicing loving kindness. These are all sang- these are all of the nature of being conditioned, sankharas. And you you know, you work on them to in order that you can come out of those set pieces, you know the way you normally operate, you, you start to see the the, bit, the gaps in between them where, you, <coughs> you know, you're not quite you anymore. There's a sort of space. Yeah. And yet there's, a, there's an awareness there. Mm. So <coughs> most most obviously you can recognize this in terms of your thinking, which is uh, called the verbal sankara because it's a chattering voice. So as it chatters away, you get to these points where it stops. Mm. And then it picks up again. Oh, what was that? And then it starts another little track. Yeah, so you get the commercial breaks, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Soap opera. <laughs> so it's not like continual wall to wall, though sometimes it seems like it when it's going at high speed. But it has to have these breaks or pauses or lulls between the waves of it. And then right there. As, as a meditator, then you you go into that place. And what's that? And you feel, and you sort of s- steady in that, and you try to sustain attention onto that. And you feel, you know, what happens in there. How you're a bit perhaps a bit calmer or a bit more spacious, and you something, and you pick that up, and you can hold that that sense of spaciousness and calmness, and and that's you, you come out. That's where you come out of your, well, your, the repetitive thinking patterns. That you notice where the gaps are or the pauses are, or it's less intense, and you, you incline that way. And you develop practices that help you to do that. You know, relaxing, uh, counteracting, urgent, re- you know, compulsive thinking, you know, deliberately reflecting on it to, to take, o- take it away, uh, to take away its rationale basis. So, you know, I think we... You get kinds of instructions on that to replace the repeated thoughts of good of ill will with something like compassion and forgiveness repeated senses of what you're going to do in the future with the recollections of death 
helps to stem that one and trying to bring yourself back to the present moment and letting the witnessing the thought just as a kind of a wind blowing it's like something that's blowing through that you don't have to really even understand where it came from just to just to step out of it you know it's just that so in that we when we do that we begin to sense the kind of silence or the spaciousness or the easefulness of what happens when a sankara lulls or abates when its push goes down a bit yeah. is that you know hopefully if you st- if you're a meditator you, you like that <laughs> You find that that in interests and and uh, you find it pl- enjoyable. You want to be more with that. Otherwise, not much point meditating, really. Uh, so you, that's probably the be- first way we notice it. You also notice it in your the bodily sankara, kaya sankara, which is the bodily energies, the programs of the body when it gets excited or agitated or you know overstimulated on one respect or tense so the, chit, the kaya sankara is things like tension or staleness or stagnation um, or over agitation restless energy in the body and um, you know sitting breathing in breathing out some of these exercises we've been doing standing the whole bit of the body cultivation of, of meditation is just to find what it's like when your body is peaceful Oh, you know, it's really nice. I like that. It doesn't feel stale and shut down. It's not that kind of calm. It's not a sedation, but it's a calm that's bright. You know, and um, that's generally pretty agreeable because in that, in the lulling of the sankara, in the quietening of it, you come more into a quality of sort of when you feel it, it feels like spacious. It feels bright. It's kind of a psychological quality to it you know you, you feel it feels an emotional quality you feel quite happy or in a, in a in a gentle way you feel unconstricted so you get all these readouts of what it feels like depending whether you're looking at it from a bodily sense or an emotional sense or in, or the thought sense in the thought sense it seems like silence in the emotional sense it feels like happy relaxed in the bodily sense it feels like spacious and unrestricted those are all ways in which we we look at it, you see, we interpret from those bases. Actually, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> you know, it's the bit that the sankharas don't get. You could say it's that. It's the it's the the bit that's come up that's there, and this isn't isn't sankharad in that way. <laughs> It's not being, you know, so, well, that's, yeah. Maybe you want to be more with that. And why, of course, we start with uh, wanting to come out of the negative stuff is because, yeah, I want to get out of the negative Sankaras, but I kind of like the the positive ones, (laughs) you know. So sometimes, you know, things like, um, um, you know, emotional states, you feel um, excited or um, 
falling in love. I like to do that for a while. Some, and <laughs> you know, it's that sense of being really charged up, and that feels good for a while. <laughs> I'm not a great salesman on this one, <laughs> but you know, it does certainly. Everybody gets a hit off that when it happens. Definitely. Yeah, but eventually, you know, well, how good was it? Um, so, you know, through through really trial and error, really begin to see. Well, it's a personal thing, but you begin to sense, to sense get the feeling of, of, well, it's just nice to be free of this whole being stirred up about anything particularly. It doesn't mean feeling flat and dull, it means feels kind of bright and spacious. So that that's the bit, that's the sales pitch I'm giving you. <laughs> and I guess you're here for that particular <laughs> you're in the market for that. <laughs> yeah. So we you know use the use of breathing in and out uh, f- focusing on that is because it, it, it that itself is a, is a sankara it's not a fu- not you know anything other than that but it's a it's a one that you can you can use you can use good sankaras to flush out the bad ones and then the whole thing could just kind of rest and slow down and then as it does slow down what tends to happen is that the quality of awareness becomes more apparent because it's like the music's turned down, you know, the, so you suddenly notice more clearly the sense of being present. And you don't quite know what it is because it's not a thought, it's not a feeling, it feels like something in you feels more spacious and expanded in that. So when the Sankara is kind of cool, then this quality of detachment or non-involvement is since you feel you're like you're stepping back or you're stepping out of without aversion but just as if some part of your mind has always been out of it but you never noticed it before and it starts to become more apparent and more palpable as uh, feeling peaceful and really kind of steady and and stable because it's not about anything that moves and it's not going up and down and it's not exciting but it's not boring you know it kind of keeps defying all the descriptions that we have but yet it is definitely something that you can experience so this is the um, quality of chitta and chitta is a pretty kind of loose term but uh, it can refer to a number of things but in in the teachings on on mindfulness of breathing it's mostly used to refer to this differentiation between the chitta sankara which is the mental stuff and uh, chitta meaning more pure awareness so thai language they call is puru which means the one who knows it's a knowing witnessing sense So in some ways it's it's always present and yet there is a development 
because there's energies that have been out there doing all kinds of stuff, sankaring away, and when they're not being used in that way, it's like all that kind of becomes um, available. It's like your, your, your awareness body actually, you know, incorporates all that. So the awareness be seems to be bright and uh, more full. You know, and you see how much energy we put out in thinking, in planning, in worrying, in remembering, fantasizing. How much energy we put out in uh, emotional ups and downs, getting angry, getting upset. You know, all this sort of stuff. So, and it's, uh, it's, it's out of control too. So you use something like my breath because it can it can draw everything back. You can use it as a, almost like like a sheep dog that will actually herd every, pull all the, all these sheep that are running all over you in all sorts of different directions. You'll just kind of gradually pull them back in and get them to sit down. Because <laughs> it's the leader of the pack. You know, it's got, it is the, the fundamental bodily leader, bodily, leader of bodily energy. And it refers directly to the mental energy too. And as your your breath energy and your mental energy are cro cross reference, so when your breath steadies and deepens and calms, that's always going to be a s uh, something a, a sign of your your mind is steadying and deepening and calming. You know, it's it's pretty obvious when your breathing is kind of shallow and flaccid, your mind is dull. When your breathing is over breathing, mind tends to be agitated, thinking a lot more. Generally, we don't notice it. But so putting attention onto the breathing and deliberately steadying it, calming it, softening it, soothing it, so forth, has its effects on the mind. It, it tends to tidies up and allays the sankara, so you become more attuned to awareness. Hmm. And then the breath, in a way, has done its work. You've used it. You don't have to abandon it because what tends to happen is that the breathing, the physical side of it almost fades out. It becomes, you know, and what becomes more to the fore because it becomes, the energy has gone into that is the quality of awareness. That is, you get a sense of a profound gravity stillness. Mm. Chitta Sankara is said is creates or uh, perceptions, impressions, is bound up with impressions and feelings, mental feelings. So this is the raw stuff of emotions, isn't it? Mm. Our impressions. Impressions we get or perception, sanya. Something is friendly, something is important, something is dreadful. Something is welcoming, something is offensive, you know, these, these, are, these are signs we detect and things. Sometimes it's as if those signs were already there and, you know, as you walk out in the morning, suddenly they're pasted all over the sky. <laughs> like, what a depressing day. <laughs> 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 it's 
day is not depressing. It's just the sun's come up. It's you know it's not that the the sign is ready to be loaded. You know, or or, or of course mostly on other people. You know, grumpy looking guy, or she looks a bit intense, or you know, she's really sweet or something other. You know, the way you kind of get these immediate flash impressions of people that that sort of punches your ticket that's who you are <laughs> just because you've got a big body you know you're seen as a threat <laughs> you've got a little body you're seen as cute <laughs> it's just a body <laughs> so you know and how, how irritating that can be when you're <laughs> walking around like a billboard for other people's stuff <laughs> And then, of course, we have perceptions and impressions of ourself. You know, self is really a matter of, of impressions and perceptions. Some of them are loaded. You all decided that you, you, know, you aren't <laughs> good enough. So just waiting to have it proved every day. <laughs> Something's already there, you know. Or that you, you know... Or that you should get, you know, or that you're, you're a, it's a poverty program that people often have running. You know, they haven't got enough, so need to have more, need to be something more. Always coming from a place of being impoverished rather than being rich. You know? when, and it's very convincing, you know, inadequate, not enough not smart enough, not big enough, not energetic enough, you're kind of impoverished. Where did that come from? Well, who is? You know, how good do you have to be? <laughs> Who's got the full deck, you know? <laughs> and when you consider it, actually, you know, it's just, I think if, um, you know, on many levels, you looked at the, general population of the planet we would be amongst the wealthy affluent healthy fortunate endowed opportunity rich people you know and yet so many people are kind of de depressed so <laughs> uh, you know how these perceptions are not just flighty ideas they're really things that grip you and become sankaras become your life pattern your life message and uh, you know obviously a lot of therapy and things of that nature just to try and unpick some of this stuff and it's a big story um, and <coughs> but to be brief about it you know you just start to recognize some of these selves that arise you know your little personae that arise is what you are whatever it is you ain't because <laughs> <laughs> it's that I mean that's the very utterly simple Buddhist bit about it, whatever you, whatever it is, you ain't it, you know, because there you are, you're aware of it, so you can't be both, and you, you move back towards awareness. But naturally, these things do have tremendous pull to them, and they pull us in, and we're spinning in that, and it becomes really real because our energies keep running down those tracks so repeatedly that there's a whole momentum to become who we feel we are, who we, you know based upon perceptions and past karma. So you most of us need considerable help in just pulling out of that, you know. I mean, this is really 
most of our practice, I would guess. You know, why it takes so so long is it takes years to keep pulling out, and every now and then you tip down it again, and you know you've got to keep pulling pulling back. Um, partly through recognition of 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 other things that you that you do and are, which are outside that program. You know, you are healthy. You are, um, you know, you're not poor. You're not in jail. You're not being tortured. Um, you do have friends. You 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 are a good person. You know, these kinds of things, but then even more fundamentally, looking at not just the topics, but the very contracted mental state that allows these things to cluster. It's like if you've got a a room that's never properly swept out, then naturally the the vermin move in. You know, so you want to actually keep spreading and widening your mental space and clearing out with a sense of of joy and clarity. And this is what we do with breathing. You know, you, you know, it may sound like how can you breathe through your mind, but but once your mind, when you once your mind and your body start to come together in samadhi, then you know the quality of it is both mental or psychological. It's joyful. It's bright. It's happy. And it's physical in its sense of calm and steady. So then you can actually use this quality, which is not a physical breath. You know, it's not a physical breath. It's it's like an energy which is partly mental and partly physical or somatic. You know, and just keep spreading and brightening and calming and acknowledging and easing and bearing with and holding and so forth. So really sweep your house you know if you don't sweep your house then you know the stuff starts to the grunge gets in mm. so you know that's that's the if you like the, the work bit of meditation and hopefully it's it's a pleasant kind of work it's not too much of a muck shoveling exercise because to take joy, to have joy in in clearing, in joy in cleaning, joy in brightening, you know, sense of you're you're not the grim stuff. You're you you want to identify with anything, identify with the quality of the intention to brighten, rather than the <laughs> rather than the dodgy stuff that calls itself you. Uh, so we develop that sense of really owning and relating to uh, you know so it's a kind of very just that slight shift of 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 power but you very powerful shift of of our center to be the brightening rather than the dark the darkness and it's not sometimes it's just 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 being in the brightness you know and letting the darkness fade by itself Rather than doing anything more than that. And what helps with that also is the sense of just being able to go back sometimes when it, you know, when you, you get hung up with the idea of trying to, you know, get absolutely clear and clean and just say, well, wait a minute. How good do you have to be? You know, 
you have to be absolutely sparkling? Or couldn't it be just be it's good enough to be able to sense awareness and you know not get in, not get caught in these patterns? You just they're just the wind is just blowing, but you're not not being blown in it. So that always remains a, a an option. You're, just, you're getting it good enough, getting it clean enough, getting it steady enough, so that you can notice, say that the the, the the mental stuff, but not get caught in it. That itself helps to unplug the the intensity of these these negative sankharas. You know, you just don't believe in them, don't buy into them. Hmm? Some may disappear altogether, some may be completely allayed, some may be residual. Some of them very, you know, long-term. And you just learn to, to live with it. You know, there's that mood again. I know that mood. There's that feeling of got so much to do and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I know that one. And you feel what it feels like. And, the, you know, so even rather than trying to feel you've got to get rid of all your stuff, you get clear enough to know, to really know and take responsibility for th the convictions that move you. And it's better step back from it. So that's, that's how calm and insight work. Calm quells what can be quelled, eases what can be eased, gets you in touch with the quality of awareness, brings it to the fore, and insight is it keeps reviewing the situation with this sense of you know which is what is unstable uh what is not self uh the sense you know coming out of these self forming patterns mm. is because it the 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 bigger bit is to wean awareness from taking any of this stuff trying to find anything in it <laughs> you know there's a kind of underlying urginess to find find the stable place find the peaceful place find the quiet place so you've got to get it quiet enough quiet enough stable enough to to, to recognize that that urge to find the stable quiet place is making you feel unstable <laughs> continually kind of pushing you and making you feel you're not quite there yet and when you were there everything would be like you know angels playing trumpets or whatever it is nibbana mm -hmm. you get that sense of not there yet so even the urge eventually to get it all absolutely sterile and cleaned out is no how, how good you have to be isn't good enough you know do you want to keep still running the poverty program <laughs> on another <l> level? <laughs> yeah. the, the wish to know is another very um, fundamental thing to understand things. And you see, understanding really isn't all it's cracked up to be, as far as I can see. trying to understand. You don't have to understand. 
some things speak and you can form logical patterns out of them and certain gratification out of it. <laughs> Other stuff you just meet it. Well, I don't know. Beats me. But I do, I can know whatever arises and I know how to just be with that and let it move and let it pass without buying into it. If I can do that, that's good enough. So understand the urge for understanding, the urge for clarity, the urge towards calm as absolutes is again a bit of uh, chasing a unicorn. So that's a kind of shift of attitude that, you, that comes around more that you, as you contemplate changeability of all forms, including the brightness, you know, including the happiness, the changeability of it all. And that anything that there's that sense of forming a position out of, forming a now I've got it or now I am it, that very action is called clinging. And that's and that the one thing that we are continually reminded of is clinging is not a good idea. It may be something that um, has, has relative uses and benefits but it's the antithesis of liberation and deathlessness the buddha said is, is the mind's release from all clinging all clinging all of that you know little hand that comes out and <laughs> gets starts to form a boundary around a little piece of psychological territory of some kind you know yeah. And he also said, well, if you want to cling to anything, then at least cling to some good stuff, you know. But most of us cling to absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, the best thing is to cling to a state of samadhi, if you want to have, have a good cling. <laughs> then, you know, but he said, I'd, but I'd recommend not clinging at all. But maybe that's a bit bit of a tall order so we start off with a weaning process you know come off the off of the the rubbish and get on to cling to something a bit more you know sustaining and enjoyable and and uh um nourishing and then you begin to witness just what clinging how insatiable it is you get quite peaceful and quite happy and then you want a bit more <laughs> 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 and then you think, oh, I've only got two days left of this, and then I go back to the madhouse, and you know, so that the element comes up in the mind. process of freeing up awareness from these kinds of views or fundamental inclinations they're not you don't see them as objects you know they're much more persuasions or views in the mind you know freeing awareness from that and this again is um something the you know, buddha taught when he talked of anapanasati and he used certain certain mm, touchstones, 
certain reference points. He said, fully sensitive to awareness. So you're coming away from the objects just into acknowledging the sense of space or brightness or knowingness, witnessing that sense. You know, you, you, you feel it. You can sense it. And then uh, gladdening it. Which means you really start to to appreciate and enjoy that. You, know, you, you, you can have enough access to it that you can really sit back, trust it, enjoy it, just be with that. And all those those nagging feelings that you should do something, you know, let's get more to an enjoyment, gladdening it and steadying it. And then the gladdening, the steadying of that, releasing from the views which as the mind kind of empties, as the sankharas empty out, there's a, often a doubt or a uncertainty as to what to focus on, what to get to. So it's just that sense of whatever forms to keep releasing that. Mm-hmm. So through that... And you're not releasing it and it into a particular thought or an attitude, but just it releasing it into, if you like, the ability to release. What you know, the, the very sense of you know, letting letting go. Now, what that. Well, it isn't. It isn't an attachment to formlessness. So very often, when we may, you know, allay the various forms or perceptions or moods or energies that sort of come bristling up, calm it, lay it, then you experience awareness as something that's rather formless, spacious, and then there can be a kind of an attachment to that. But it's, isn't it about? Liberation is about liberation. It's not liberation from form and from formlessness, which means we don't actually hold on to formlessness (laughs) either. And in in simple terms, this means the ability to come into form. So like when you're breathing in, you get the sense suddenly becoming more solid. Or when we leave the meditation hall and we go out and do some chores or eat the meal or have to speak, suddenly you can sense everything kind of becoming much more tangible and formed and solid and you know two and two starts to make four again doesn't it you know <laughs> things of that nature you know so you, you can feel the forms arising and then you can also get a sense of letting them seeing through them you know so that that's that's the, the more full um maturing of the process formlessness formed formlessness arises and passes formed arises and passes (laughs) and you know there's there's a cling so what is um, but what you're not doing is you haven't got it prejudged there's no programming you know you don't haven't come out with it is that for one way or another so the form arises not from some programmed old karmic pattern of 
you know the strategies the old habits but it arises much more in, as a as a response to the experience in the mutual experience here we are in something and these bodies and minds respond to that so you get a more clearer fuller response than when you're seeing things through the lens of one's own conditioning you know the, the real self stuff so we're able to act more freely you know more clearly and less important to it because with all of it once you get the sense of how you know you may have signs for awareness but if you any sign that you have whether it's brilliance or silences or subtle sounds or lights or whatever that that isn't it that's just the that's just the lens you're seeing it through yeah. but what remains is that um you know in what we do and say there can be you can sense that same quality of presence you know the same sense of of uh, lightness presence about the actions they're not just charging out blindly the stuff isn't just kind of running out you, you know, there's much there's is that's that's the sign of the liberated mind it can function without pre-arrangement so that's enough verbal blather for the morning <laughs>